So I have a question for you. Have you ever ran a race? Yeah, me neither. Uh, and it was said earlier this morning, if you see me running, someone bigger than me is chasing me. So uh, maybe you do run races. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe, have you ever, maybe you just run for fun. Are, are you one of those people? Remember, as kids, we would run for fun. We would run anywhere. We would play tag. We'd play freeze tag. We'd do all kinds of things like that just to run and, and burn up some energy. Maybe in high school, maybe you ran track uh, or, or you were maybe on the cross-country team or something to that extent. Maybe you've run a half marathon. Anybody half marathon people out there? Maybe you're full of energy and you've actually ran a whole marathon. Maybe you're one of those crazy people that likes to do mud runs or Spartan challenges or mountaintop marathons where you go up where the oxygen is thinner and then you run a marathon because just running a normal marathon where you can somewhat breathe is not enough of a challenge. Uh, my point is this. When you run any kind of a race, the course is always laid out for you. Uh, from the start to the finish line. And, and that's the point of what we've kind of got set up here on the stage. I'm, we're doing this series about running the race. And the, what, what you see, you maybe can't really see it from home, but that's the point of like the cones and the, the crosses that are here on the stage. You, you can't really see it from where you're at, but from my point of view, it looks really cool. And I wish you were here. You will be soon. Uh, but that's the point of how we're set up. Here's the thing. This is set up this way to remind us that as Christians, when we're running the race, the cross, if you will, is the finish line, okay? And the course has been laid out for us. And much like these little cones, the, the course for the Christian race, if you will, has been laid out for us with the markers that we need along the way so that we can stay on course, so that we can run the race well. And, and that's kind of what we've got set up here, just as a visual for this series. Now, when we use God's Word as our markers along the way, it's a lot easier for us to be a reflection of Christ as we run the race of life. When we use His Word as our markers along the way, it's a lot easier for us to stay focused on the goal. And today, we're going to look at what God's Word says to us concerning elders but keep in mind that we all have a part here. God's Word doesn't just speak to elders in this context. It speaks to elders, deacons, anyone in church leadership, and you. And so how we run the race, how we should run the race, it, it, God's Word tells us that. But specifically today, we are going to look at how not to run the race. Whoa, I'll let that settle in. Whether you're an elder, a deacon, or you, there are certain ways we should not run the, way, the race. And specifically, that's alone. We were not meant to be alone. We were not meant to run this race alone. We were not meant to go through life alone. We are not meant to grow spiritually alone. Essentially, when it comes to church leadership and to elders, you could even say that no elder is an island. You see, eldership is plural, and there's good reason for it. Today, we're going to look at shared leadership. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we come before you this morning, as we, we have had this great time of worship and communion, of, of bringing our gifts and our offerings to you uh, through a different media, Lord, right now, as we open your word, as we talk about what you would have us do in being a reflection of you, as we talk about church leadership, I pray that you will strike in our hearts a desire to be an encouragement to those that you see fit 
to be the shepherds, the elders, the deacons of Huntsville Christian Church. I pray that, that you, through your word, we will see evidence that you've called an eldership to be a plurality, that we can support that, that we can encourage that, that together our, our elders will seek your wisdom, your purpose for Huntsville Christian Church. Lord, I just pray that you open our hearts to your word. It's in your son's name. Amen. So the New Testament shows us repeatedly conclusive evidence that the pastoral oversight of the first church and those established by the apostles was a team effort. They always say there's no I in team, uh, and that's very true. And so church leadership was never intended to be the sole responsibility of just one person. Allow me to begin with this example. You see, Jesus did not just train up one man to start up and carry on the traditions of the church. He personally appointed 12 men. Jesus gave the church a plurality of leadership when he started with the 12 disciples. The 12 made up the first leadership council, if you will. And then they jointly led and taught the first Christian community. They provide for us a great example of things like unity and humility brotherly love, shared leadership, um, among other things. But shared leadership is something we're going to focus on. It's, it's what was shown to us also by the fact that the 12, uh, those 12 men appointed seven other men to relieve themselves of the duty of dispensing funds to the church's widows. We're going to talk more about that in a few weeks because those seven men were the prototype for what we now call deacons. And in this Running the Race series, we're going to spend some time talking about deacons as well as we talk about elders. You see, the New Testament has 15 verses that speak specifically to the plurality of elders. It's about shared leadership and service. No elder is an island. James instructs us in James chapter 5 verse, verse 15. He says, call for the elders of the church to pray. Look at what he says in chapter 5 verse 13 and 14 specifically. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You see, that's one of the reasons that, that part of our response time every week includes an opportunity for you to have the elders pray with you. In Acts 14, verse 23, at the end of his first missionary journey, Paul appoints a council of elders for each of the newly founded churches. Listen to this. He says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now something to note here, just like in the verses from James that I shared with you, the term elder is plural, and the word church in these verses is singular. So each church had elders, plural, appointed to it. And so why am I going on and on about uh, having more than one elder in a church? And, and what's the big idea anyways? What if your church only has one qualified person to be an elder? Well, we need to avoid that at all costs. And, and at the end of the day, it's up to you. You see, you know what? Let's get on that soapbox for just a minute, will we? can we? You see, our mission statement here at Huntsville Christian Church is simple. And it's easy to remember. It's go to win and commit to grow. But there's so much depth in that statement. And this is one of those your part moments of the message, by the way. As a Christian, your part is to commit to grow. 
Grow in what, you may ask? Well, commit to grow in a better understanding of God's Word. Commit to grow in your prayer life and your conversations with Christ. Commit to grow in your personal relationship with Christ as well as your relationship with others. Commit to grow um, from a spiritual infant, which is where you start out at in baptism, into a spiritual parent or grandparent where you are reproducing and helping to raise up the next generation of spiritual infants. You see, if we as individual Christians are taking serious the call to commit to grow, there will be many qualified men for the servant leadership that is being an elder in Christ's church. The only thing we need to do at this point is they would have to have a desire to serve others in this position. So as we move forward into the next 20 years of impacting our community for Christ, some of you be, need to be making a commitment to grow, to grow in wisdom and understanding of scripture and what it is to serve as an elder and prepare your hearts and your family for that position of being a servant leader. We all, all, we all are the church. And if we're not raising up the next generation of servant leaders, there won't be any. Spoiler alert, more on this topic on Father's Day. It's coming up. One more side note, and then I'll get off my soapbox. Being a deacon is not on the job, is not on the job training to be an elder. You don't have to be a deacon first and serve as a deacon in order to be considered as an elder. All right, church leadership, though, is something to be shared. And, and really, if we're committed to growing in Christ, and we're committed to Scripture, we're committed to prayer, if we're committed to those things, we will never become a church that only has one qualified person to be an elder. And so I'll get off that soapbox now, and we'll continue on. But you don't have to serve as a deacon first to be considered an elder. Church leadership is something to be shared. It's not just a New Testament concept either. Leadership by a group of elders was, the, was just a fundamental structure, if you will, of the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament history. Uh, for example, Moses' father-in-law encouraged him to appoint elders to help with making decisions. And so by definition, the elder structure of government is a collective corporate leadership. Again, I say it's shared leadership. No elder is an island. We can't put, even in an eldership, we can't put everything onto one person well, well, he's just naturally good at that. Let him do it. No, it's a shared thing. There are many benefits of shared leadership, and that's what we're going to talk about for just a little bit. But as we look at that, we need to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I really want to challenge you this week to break these verses down, to look at them more carefully. For right now, though, I'm going to read through 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. And so starting with verse 1 in 1 Peter chapter 5, this is where it goes. He says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. 
your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Brothers and sisters, when we come together to a place of shared leadership built on the foundation of God's word, this is a place where we trust one another, where we have honesty and unity and transparency about struggles. What? Elders struggle? Sometimes they do. Even in leadership. And when we do those things, we can have good Bible-based accountability with one another. And when we do that, that cord of three strands is not easily broken. We are bound together. We are warned here why we need a plurality of elders to shepherd the flock. Because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Do you know how lions hunt? Do you know what that looks like? They come in and they separate one animal from the herd. And sometimes it's the weak or the young. Sometimes it's just the loner of the herd, the one that's, that's just on the edge, on the fringe. And they get them off to the side. They get them alone. And once they're alone, they attack. And that's what Satan does. And they take him down. You see, on our own, we cannot stand against such a spiritual attack, especially in leadership. We weren't meant to lead alone. I, I don't know about you all. I used to train lions and tigers. I, used to, I love watching the Nature Channel. I've actually seen a small herd of warthogs fight off a lion attack and protect each other. But warthogs, they're, they're not all that big. But I'll tell you what, when they came together, that old lion was sneaking around trying to get at a baby warthog and the adults, the elders of the warthog herd, if you will, they, they came around and they were like, nope, not today, Mr. Lion. You go prowl around somewhere else. And these warthogs, they, they thwarted his plans. They were focused. And some of them, they were willing to give themselves up to save these young warthogs. So right there it is, folks. Servant leadership, according to Fat Rock's Nature Channel. Just be like the warthogs. Be, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, Satan, is prowling like a lion. He is seeking someone to devour. And if, if you are trying to lead on your own, even in a group of, of leaders, in a group of elders, if you're trying to do it on your own, Satan will come out and he will separate you from the herd and he will just beat you up. He is seeking someone to devour. Elders, deacons, Christians. If he gets you alone. And, and that's one of the things, I wanna, I wanna hit on this for a second. In, in our current reality of safer at home, and, and a lot of folks have been at home alone, and it's one of the reasons we've done like the Facebook, the chatting with Fat Rock, and we've started doing some stuff with our children, the uh, Lunch with the Galaxy Kids Bunch. You've seen that come out on Facebook. We're trying to do these things to connect with you because we want you to know no matter what's happening, you might be by yourself, but you are not alone, okay? And, and so you are not alone. Reach out to us. If you have a prayer request, if you have a need, there's information on our website where you can let us know how you're doing and what you're doing and what you need. But, but don't let Satan get you alone. If he gets you away from God, if he gets you away from one another, I challenge you guys quite often to reach out to each other. The, one of the first weeks of, of uh, isolation, we sent home a new directory to everybody that we had an address for so that you could reach out to one another. And I challenge you to call people, to send an email, to send a text message to different people that you could get to know over this time. And hopefully you've taken that challenge because we were not meant to be alone. We cannot allow Satan to separate us in this time 
of social anxiety and in this time of, of the safer at home and the separation, we can't allow him to separate us because when he does, when he separates us away from God, when he separates us away from the connections we have with one another, he will devour you. So what do we do? We stand together. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 says this. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Did you hear that? Christian? Christian at home? Christian at home that you think you're by yourself? You're not. The same suffering is happening right now. There are many people who are by themselves, but they're not alone. Verse 10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I've said this a couple of times. I can't wait to hear stories about the COVID-19 revival. Yeah, we may be separated. We're not all here right now, but we are worshiping our God throughout the world today in very unique ways. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram Live. I mean, I've talked with preachers all over the place and everybody's doing something different. But you may be by yourself, but you are not alone. The elders aren't alone. The deacons aren't alone. And you are not alone. Side by side, we are standing on the foundation of Christ. We may not be able to touch each other right now, but we are standing side by side. And when we do that, we can resist Satan, our enemy. And when we do that, when we, when we resist him, we will be restored. We will be strengthened by our God. But we have to serve together. You see, when we share leadership, we can balance out each other's weaknesses with our strengths. I love to do personality tests. My favorites, though, are the DISC profile. It's D-I-S-C and strengths finders. These two assessments actually show you where your strengths and where your strength in life is. And, and how you can work to your strengths and not be sidetracked or overwhelmed by your weaknesses. You see, we need to understand our strengths and our weaknesses so that as we serve together, we can complement one another rather than frustrate each other and miscommunicate and allow Satan to get a foothold and separate us out from the herd due to misunderstandings. Shared leadership can provide an elder team with critically needed recognition of and a balance of faults and blind sides and deficiencies. And I want to talk about that real quick. You see, we all have blind spots. C.S. Lewis called them fatal flaws. He actually said, if our blind spots are allowed to go unchecked or unbalanced, they become fatal flaws in our Christian walk and our integrity. Our blind spots, our fatal flaws, they're never really noticed to us. That's why they're called blind spots. So you have to allow other people in your life permission to point out what your blind spots may be. As, as a team of leaders if you're honest with one another, if they're loving, if they're trusting, if they're transparent, we begin to compliment one another. And the blind spots are brought out into the open in a safe place. And if one person tends to act out too harshly, for example, the others can temper that harshness. Some leaders may not like confrontation, but it's a part of leading. Sometimes you have to have confrontation. Others can press for action. Elders who are maybe doctrinally oriented can sharpen those who are more outreach or service focused. And the outreach and service focused leaders can encourage the doctrinally oriented members to be more evangelistic. Hey, we can teach you guys how to hug again. Yeah. You see, like most things in life, it, it takes balance and rhythm. And sometimes it even takes a village. No elder is an island. 
We need to serve together, church. We need to pray together, whether we're, we're together as a group or whether we're separate like we are right now. We need to pray together. We need to protect together. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 17 says. It says this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus because they have made up for your absence. Folks, as we come to a place where life is just different, uh, we talk about things like a new normal. Let's commit to enjoy the experience and along the way, let's be diligent, let's be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. That's pointing out someone's blind spots. That's helping someone through a moment of transparency. Let everything you do be done in love. If you've been called to the servant leadership position of elder, devote yourself to the service of the saints in love. If you're part of the church that is being shepherded and led by elders, be subject to them. More importantly, do your part. Be praying for them. Well, what should I pray about for our elders? Hey, pray for wisdom. Pray for discernment. Pray for unity. Pray for their leadership. Pray for protection of them. As we come to our response time this morning, I want you to respond differently. Uh, it's a twofold response this morning, actually. First off, as a family, I want you to discuss and commit to praying for our elders. Or if you're visiting with us uh, on the live stream today, commit and discuss to praying for your elders of your church, at your home church, or the leadership team at your church. And then I want you, in the comments, I want you to just write a simple commitment. Uh, for example, the Lancaster family will pray for the elders this week. That's the first part of the response. I want you to, to have a conversation with your family and just make a commitment as a family that you will pray for the leadership team here at Huntsville Christian Church or at your home church, or both. You can pray for both leadership teams. The second step to your response is this. I want to challenge you to send an email this week, and you can send it to office at hsvcc.org or to your home church. And I want you to send an email this week with a prayer for the elders that you and your family are going to pray. Folks, leadership is hard. And in this season, we here at Huntsville Christian Church, we are making decisions we've never had to make before. We are considering things we have never had to consider before. And I want you to know the servant leaders here at Huntsville Christian Church appreciate your prayers for us. No elder is an island, but sometimes it may seem like that. As we sing our response song this morning, I want your family, I want you to consider how you will encourage the men that have accepted the role of servant leadership. Will you sing this song with us and respond to God's word accordingly?